All right, good morning, Four Oaks. It's Pastor Paul. It's a Wednesday morning, November 9th. It is the morning after Election Day. And I thought that would give us a good backdrop to talk about what we're going to talk about this morning. So again, welcome to Romans Rewind. This is where we're, we take 10 or 15 minutes every weekday morning to unpack a portion of God's Word something we're, we're running kind of concurrently with our series through the book of Romans. And for the last several weeks, Paul's been addressing this issue of what do we do when Christians disagree? And I can't, I'm not going to unpack two weeks worth of devotionals and sermons into this little spot, except to say that Paul talks about these things in terms of the strong and the weak. And these differences of opinion, and again, we're not talking about matters of doctrinal, um, the centrality of the gospel or our confessional standards or Christian orthodoxy or mere Christianity or the faith, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. We're not, those are not disputable matters. Uh, there are other disputable matters in which the Bible might speak principally about things, but we might be in disagreement about how to apply them and and what the scripture says about this issue or that issue. And Paul talks about the strong and the weak brother. And the strong are those who not are stronger in their character or stronger in their convictions necessarily. They're, they're just more biblically mature. They have a greater scope of the word of God and its depth and how it applies to every um, area of life versus the weak who might be new Christians, might be theologically immature, and they are operating in faith for what they know, and Paul doesn't condemn them for that. In fact, he commends them, right? And he more is giving rules and sort of best practices for how they're to relate together in the church. And of course, we've been applying this to a whole host of issues, including voting and politics. And one of the things that we've sort of latched on, and we really hit this um, the last couple of days and, and even in the sermon on Sunday, is that Paul has the, has the full expectation that we are going to be constantly growing in our faith. In other words, just because we are weak in our faith, biblically, theologically, and otherwise, doesn't mean that Paul wants us to stay there. Um, there is a sense in which we are pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of for us. We are becoming more mature in the faith. We're becoming stronger in our faith. And as we do that, then we can more fully understand how the Word of God applies to every area of life. And I want to talk about that in relationship to the election results or the election yesterday, the results, which in many places are still being tabulated. And I want to, I want to, Talk about how, how I think it is as a Christian, we are to view these sorts of events, happenings, I'm talking about voting right now, from a Christian worldview, and what it means to think about this on multiple levels from the perspective of the Word of God. Because let's, let's be honest, sometimes when we wake up and we look at certain results, um, our 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 level of analysis simply, well, that's good or that's bad. Or I like him or I don't like him. Or he's for this and she's for that and that's why I'm for this. And, and our, our analysis can kind of exist primarily on the horizontal. But when we think about things biblically, 
and we understand um, what our major theological stakes in the ground are, are to be, then we can look at this from a more holistic biblical perspective. And I just want to kind of give a systematic theology, so to speak, of, of how we're to think about these things in just a few short minutes to give us some things to latch onto. So we're going to be in several passages this morning. So John chapter 20, Jesus is before Pilate, um, and Pilate is asking him is it if he is a king. Okay, now I want you to listen to what Jesus says. This is John, I think it's John 18, verse 36. There we go. And he says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Now, when I think when Jesus is speaking there about his kingdom is not of this world, he doesn't mean that he's not king, and he doesn't mean that he's not establishing his kingdom. What he means is that he is not, has not come primarily to establish an earthly political order for this life. We know that that was the vision of the old covenant people. They lived this political, civil, religious life under the rule and authority of God. And Jesus says, that was for then, but I've actually come to change hearts and minds. And so we need to remember that regardless of what's happening geopolitically or in our local races or national races or what have you, that it's not that God is not sovereign in those things. We're going to talk about that in a second. It's more that Jesus has come primarily to establish his kingdom in the hearts and minds of people. And he can do that through a variety of means. He can do that through political processes, through laws. But fundamentally, he does that through the preaching of his word, the sharing of the gospel, um, showing people their need for, for Christ. And so that's a stake that we need to put in the ground to realize no matter what else is happening in the world, Jesus's chief mission is not to establish political entities, okay? It is to transform hearts and minds through the word of God and through the gospel, all right? So that, that's one stake in the ground. Let's flip over to Psalm chapter 20. And this kind of gives us the, the, the converse of that, okay? Um, when David is exhorting us to trust in the name and the purposes and plan of God. Now, remember, David was a king, okay? So in a theocracy, but I want you to listen to what David says. Okay, look at, look at um, 20, verse 6. This is Psalm 20, verse 6. He says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. This is a reminder to us, Four Oaks, that no matter who is elected, no matter who is in power, that is not the ultimate means of salvation, okay? Um, it's not our basis for hope. It's not our, our foundation for thinking about how to flourish as human beings, right? We are, rec you know, re no matter how 
godly or ungodly leaders or a nation or people or the church, ultimately we don't put our ultimate trust in the political process. We don't put our ultimate trust in politics. We don't put our ultimate trust in elected officials. Why? Because as we see in Daniel, um, Nebuchadnezzar's feet are made of clay. He is just a human being. And in fact, let's flip over to Daniel. And Daniel chapter 2 particularly says some pretty pertinent things, okay? So let's think about the stakes we've put in the ground. God is, um, God is not here. Jesus is not here to establish a political regime that we don't put our ultimate hope in politics or the government. Um, but Daniel 2 reminds us, right, that God is sovereign over all leaders and governments, okay? And let me, I'm sorry, let me flip back over here to, yes, here we go. So, so Daniel chapter 2, and I know when I'm flipping around like this, it makes some of you nervous and you're wondering if I'm going to find the Word of God, but the Holy Spirit directs us. Okay, so here we go. Let's look at Daniel 2.20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of our God forever, for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. Okay, Daniel 2.37-39. through 39. You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand, and has made your ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom, and on and on and on. What it's clearly showing is that Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan ruler, has his power and authority by virtue of the sovereign plan of God. And that after Nebuchadnezzar, there might be weaker rulers, there might be stronger rulers, but make no mistake, there will be rulers, which means that there is no earthly kingdom that's permanent. There's no, no leader who's permanent, and God is sovereign over all of it. So I think having that three-legged stool okay, uh, of our biblical worldview that God is sovereign um, over all of our governing authorities and political processes, that we're, number two, we're not to trust in those political processes, number three, that God is not primarily in the business of establishing an earthly kingdom. That's our three-legged stool. And that gives us the stability, the wherewithal, so to speak, to, to move forward in faith. And you may say, well, what does that look like, Pastor Paul? What am I supposed to do today? And, you know, thankfully, the scriptures are not silent on this, right? So turn over to 1 Peter, I believe it's chapter 2. Um, yes, it is. Okay. Chapter two, verse 13. What is to be our posture as Christians today? Be subject to the Lord for, I'm sorry, verse 13, verse Peter two, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good for this is the will of God. So regardless of who you voted for, who was elected, and to what office, national, local, or otherwise, we need to get up this morning and realize that we are to submit to our governing authorities. As Paul says in Romans 13, all governing authorities, 
human and, I'm sorry, pagan and Christian are instituted, put there by God. If it's true of Nebuchadnezzar, of course it's true in our time. And so we want to, to wake up with a posture of, Lord, how do I submit? How do I live a quiet life? How do I live a life that honors and glorifies you and does not tear down and mock the political leadership that you've put here? doesn't mean that we agree with, with all of it, right? Instead of mocking, what does Paul say we are to do, okay? For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So there needs to be a baseline posture of respect. And going over to 1 Timothy 2, our last passage, there should be a baseline posture of prayer. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This means that our instinctual posture as we wake up this morning, whether our posture is to celebrate or to lament or to be happy or to be sad or somewhere in between, maybe we're just indifferent. Well, Paul says, don't be any of those things. Just be prayerful. Be prayerful, respect your leaders, pray for them, um, submit to them, um, knowing you can do this because God is sovereign over that process. That process is not given to find ultimate hope in and to be able to move forward in faith knowing that it is God who sets up and takes down. It is God who is building a kingdom that's beyond any particular political structure. All right, so that's just an example of how I think when we are um, sort of immersed in the Word of God and how the Word of God can kind of form our worldview about how we are to look at and I'm talking about politics this morning. It could be and is all of life. All right, so we'll pick that back up tomorrow. Let's pray. Lord, we do want to see all of life from your gaze. We want to see every area of our lives and world and existence through the lens of the Word of God. So, Lord, empower us, guide us, direct us. Lord, we do pray for our leaders. We pray for those newly elected. We pray for those who, um, one, who were defeated. Lord, help them to govern well and wisely. Lord, pray that um, you would superintend the, the, the affirmation of the political process and the counting of votes and the transitions of power and all those things, Lord. We commend them to you and pray that you would create a fertile ground for the gospel here where we live in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.